So I'm Greer Jones. Um, this is Josh Tubbs. We are both marriage and family therapists in Tuscaloosa. Um, so we thought that maybe it would be helpful if we told you um, what that meant for you guys, because I don't know how many of you are married or have families, so it seems like we're pretty useless. Um, but actually, we really focus on a lot of individual therapy. Um, Josh and I both see a ton of college students. It's probably the majority of what we see. Um, we don't work at the counseling center. We have nothing but love, but we do not work there. Um, but we love being able to team up with campus resources. Um, we are more familiar with UA, but we love partnering with like Shelton, um, just different community resources for those who aren't students. Um, so we get to be this like fun in between for, we get to hang out with UA people and still feel young and hip and cool, but then also hang out with people who are married or who have kids and families. Um, so we are totally relevant and still young um, and still apply to you. Um, Josh and I are both married, not to each other, um, to our own significant others. Um, and we both just got married um, within like three and four months ago. So we're experts. Um, so you guys can ask us about that too. We get to be cool, hip, and married at the same time. So it works out. <laughs> Just like Kyle, just exactly like Kyle. Um, so Kyle asked us to speak about this idea of like faith and mental health together, um, which I actually got really jazzed about and Josh got really jazzed about um, because what we see a lot of in both of our practices, um, I guess that's helpful, we both have private practices in town. Um, again, not together, but we love <laughs> hanging out. Um, but we both have private practices in town, um, and um, Josh and I are two of three outspoken Christian marriage and family therapists, um, which is kind of crazy because we live in the Bible Belt. That is not news to anybody. Um, but one of the cool things about what Josh and I, yeah, what Josh and I do, along with Jonathan, who's another Christian counselor in town, um, is because we're more outspoken, we get to work with a lot of people who kind of come to us with this idea of like, I have mental illness and I have faith and I don't think that those two are supposed to coincide and so I don't know which one to give up. Um, in which Josh and I reply like, neither. You're allowed to have both. Um, and so tonight we're gonna talk a little bit about kind of number one, what does mental health even look like? How do you talk about it? Especially in context of your faith. And then on top of that, if I am a Christian, how do I stay mentally healthy while also like having my faith be a huge piece of that. Does that sound like an okay plan with you guys? Okay. Um, Josh and I are both also pacers. So this is gonna be a, like a lot of this for me and a lot of moving around. Um, this is also the first time that Josh and I have gotten to do this together. So we're super excited, but we're also just gonna see how it goes and you guys get to be our guinea pigs. Um, we are both pretty, we try to be interactive. So we love asking questions kind of as we go along, which means that you guys are then forced to pay attention to us. So sorry if that wasn't in y'all's plan tonight, um, but it is now. Uh, we love calling on people. So um, we're gonna go ahead and kind of get started and just kind of talk about first kind of like what mental health is or what mental illness is, kind of what it looks like, what you guys have seen, and then we're gonna just go ahead and throw faith right on into it. Um, we wanna focus on kind of like some mental health taboos um, that we have heard kind of from the church, um, hopefully debunk some of them and kind of turn this around and make it something that your faith can be a tool and not a weapon instead. Cool? 
Also important to note, we are therapists, and or at least I can speak for myself. Um, so like I'm very used to speaking to one, I think at the most I've had five people in the same room with me. So, you know, so feedback is really great because otherwise just staring at a blank face. Like if that happens in therapy, I've got like my flags going up, like maybe I'm doing something wrong here. So feedback will work great. But uh, to get a good start, who wants to guess how many out of like, let's see, a ratio of adults in the United States that uh, deal with mental health, mental illness each year? One in three. Any other guesses? One in four. One in four? <laughs> right. Can I get a one in five? <laughs> it was very close. It's one in five is the statistic. So y'all are trending <laughs> in the right direction, you know? Um, so the reason that that's a huge deal, right, is that means that like two or three of the tables in here by default would be people struggling with mental health, right? And typically, I mean, maybe in some of your classes, but even when you guys think about like a Sunday morning here, how many people that that impacts, right? And obviously that looks really different. So it's not one in five Americans um, struggle with like crippling anxiety that keeps them at home or one in five people struggle with schizophrenia. Like that's not what that statistic is, right? It's just one in five have some sort of mental illness that's hindering them in some way, that's keeping their functioning from being at full capacity. Um, so that can look like anxiety. That's probably the most common, especially from what we see. Um, that can look like depression. That can look like something like bipolar, schizophrenia. So there's all these different options of kind of what it includes, right? Which is why that number is a little bit higher. Um, it's not broken down specifically, but what do you guys think some of the issues are in terms of if that number is so high, right, where, kind of like, where are the issues within the church? What would be some issues if one in five people within a church are struggling with mental health? What would be some of the issues that might come up? Yes. <laughs> yes, anxiety? Yes. What else? What would be some issues like kind of structurally with the church? Not like walls and floor, but like breakdown of the church. Say that one more time. Rigid expectations. Yes. We're going to get into some of those. Not knowing how to deal with it. Yeah, for sure. So is that, I mean, like that number one, the person experiencing mental health, I mean, mental illness, not knowing how to handle it, right? But then also you have it from like a pastoral unit, right? Because for example, if I'm on the worship team and I go to my worship pastor, because that's who I'm closest with, your worship pastor probably isn't moonlighting as a marriage and family therapist, right? And so sometimes there can be issues with even if people are willing to actually kind of come forward and talk about it, which is super intimidating, um, if there's nobody in the church that knows how to talk about it, right, or hasn't experienced it, then what happens? Yeah, you start to feel really secluded or isolated or like the issue doesn't change, right? Like if someone comes to me and is like, hey, I'm really struggling with anxiety, and I'm like, that sucks. <clears throat> Right, like that person's not gonna want to step out and see somebody else, right? Um, and that's not to say that your like that your pastors um, or your college ministers or whoever, right? Like they can all be helpful, but it was actually kind of fitting, Kyle, when he was introducing us. He was like, "I'm not a mental health professional, um, so I'd like to pass this off to my friends," um, which is great. Which is why we love partnering 
with churches or campus ministries, um, other resources, because the expectation is not for the pastor to have it all under control and know everything about mental health. That would be a really high expectation. Um, but if there isn't that in the church, right, then that can be really intimidating to come forward and say, hey, I have this problem. You probably don't have a solution, so now what? Super scary, right? Scary enough when you think someone might have an answer, doubly scary when that person may not, <laughs> right? Because then you're in the same boat. <laughs> so it's also important to recognize that there are other problems in the church. Like you, sent, you uh, mentioned, uh, the kind of rigid beliefs and structures around that. Um, what are the kind of beliefs in the church that you've heard around mental health so far, mental illness, however you want to say it? Was that? Right, pray about it more. That's a real big one, right? Like, oh, I mean, sure, you couldn't get out of bed today, but at least pray, right? That works. Um, we get that a lot, um, even get that with people who come into my office, right? People be like, okay, so what are you going to do about this? You know, it, it's kind of a problem. They're like, well, I, I prayed about it. It's like, okay, and how's that, how's that working for you, right? It's like the first question, because um, prayer is, is super important, but at the same point, it's like, you know, you wouldn't tell somebody with diabetes to pray about it. Like, you would, but at the same point, like, your body's not producing the chemicals you need. Maybe you want to do something about that. Right, there are other things to do. It's kind of the similar path. Um, it's a cheesy thing, but did any of y'all watch um, the movie Facing the Giants? Okay, right. So you know, there's that whole thing about you know there were two farmers, and they both really need their crops to grow, and they both prayed, but one prepared for the crops to come in, right? And it's like that whole thing: which which farm did it rain on? And it's like the guy who prepared his crops, that kind of thing, <laughs> right? And I don't know why that sticks out. It's always the worst metaphors that come. But, um, <laughs> You know, but it's funny because those videos kind of sometimes have the same, same problem we're talking about. I think, tell me your name that said pray it away. Ella. Ella. Is that right? Paola. Nope. Ella. Paola. Paola. Yeah? Paola. Okay. It's a new one. <laughs> it's just because of the distance. It's definitely not because of my hearing. So don't even <laughs> worry about it. Um, but I mean, like, I think the, the other aspect too that that I'll see a lot in my office is that somebody who comes to see me, who's, who's kind of at that point of I'm ready to kind of seek therapy, right, has been told that over and over again, just pray about it, just pray about it, just pray about it. Um, and they're not seeing a change, right, which can be really discouraging because then it feels like, am I not praying right? Like, is that the problem? You know, like that should be this easy fix. Um, and kind of like Josh was saying, for a lot of these mental illnesses that we see, like it's a chemical imbalance. There's something going on. There's this physical manifestation that's happening in someone's body, right? So then you say, well, just pray it away. And they're like, I am, and I, I still feel terrible. And you're like, just keep praying. And then that becomes really hard because then it becomes, is it my faith that's the issue or is it a mental illness issue, right? And like, which one, which one gives? <laughs> which one is gonna win out in that, right? Yeah. especially in the college population. I say that like I'm not part of it. I'm like, what? I keep forgetting my age. I'm 24, fun fact. I thought I was 25 for most of the time I've been 24. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but that's an important part of being a college student. Whether you were raised in the church or whether you just became a Christian, 
suddenly you have this new part of your identity and you're at this time in life where you're supposed to decide what you're supposed to do for the rest of your life, supposedly, um, or you're supposed to decide who you wanna be and now you have this big part and if you've got people who are part of that identity telling you, you just need to pray this away, you know, this problem, just, you just need more faith, suddenly this huge part of your identity, you're like, apparently I suck at being Christian just because I feel sad all the time and don't know how to feel better, right? And so before you even get up and start the day, you lost. And that's a hard way to uh, live, obviously. Um, what are some of the other, tell me your name that said rigid boundaries. Brian, Brian right? Okay, first try, so it's getting better. Um, what are some of the other things that you guys have maybe heard that have either impacted you personally in terms of mental health? You don't have to divulge that. Your friend could have had this problem. Um, or what are some of the things that you kind of hear that you think, man, that would be really hard for somebody who does have a mental illness to kind of hear from the church, whether that's big C, little c? Why is that a problem? Tell me your name. Matthew. Okay. Um, sorry, that was like so creepy. I didn't mean for that. I'm so sorry. I hope that bonded us in a not weird way. Um, okay, so this idea of God gives us all trials, right? And so kind of like what happens if they don't go away or what happens if there isn't this overcoming of them, right? Um, and kind of to piggyback off of that, this idea of like, well, it's just a test of your faith, right? Like your struggle with anxiety or your struggle with depression is just God testing you and he never gives you, he never gives you more than you can handle, right? So then why would that be a problem? Okay, so why, why would that be a problem? What's wrong with the statement? Oh, mm, Ryan, tell me more. <gasps> Say it one more time. I swear to goodness, it's like I have a problem. Yeah, yeah. Can you guys all hear, Brian? It's just me. Okay. Um, so there's this idea, right, of like, not only does God give us more than he can, I mean, than we can handle, like that part is biblical. We love that. Um, but the whole point is like, so then if we challenge it, right, God, God gives us more than we can handle, but not more than he can handle, right? So like, we're off to this really great, encouraging start, but then all of a sudden I'm still left with a mental illness, <laughs> right? And so that's kind of where we come in, right, where Josh and I come in, become, because then it's not just you alone trying to figure it out. If you had all of the answers, then you probably wouldn't be struggling and you probably wouldn't be hanging out with Josh and I, right? And so there's this expectation that you're not supposed to have it all figured out. <laughs> also, spoiler, Josh and I don't have it all figured out, um, but we like being able to do the journey with you because we're not the ones inside your head. Like, I don't have to struggle against your thoughts. I just have to be able to come alongside you and help you through them, right? So it's not both of us having the same mental illness. It's me saying, hey, that sounds really hard and scary, and I'd love to be able to help you with that, but also God does too, right? And so do you guys start to see how this shift starts to happen? Right, like how it's not these, these statements that we're saying, these kind of taboos that we're saying, 
pray it away. God gives you these trials. It's never more than you can handle. They're all very isolating, right? And they're all very kind of like you focused, right? Like you should be able to get through this. You should be able to pray it away versus Josh and I have a very much like a we approach. We together can figure out a solution. We together want to help you figure out what that looks like. Are we starting to see where the shift is starting to happen? Yeah, are you guys tracking with us? Okay, okay. No, amen, anything like that? I'm kidding. I hate it when pastors ask for that. Um, but an important part of the we too, it isn't just we as in like, hey, y'all, come here and pay us, please. It's a, it's a we as in you literally have this community, as you can see right now, in the middle of a pandemic, which is also incredible, even though I'm tired of saying that word and I'm sure you're tired of hearing it, um, that, you know, Christ's, the thing he gave us, salvation, the mission, I, I like to push past that and say Christ's gift isn't just that we're saved, it's that he gave us a purpose for our lives. Um, there are so many people, and of course college is a great time to wonder about that, so many people who move through life without a purpose or will bounce between purposes, but Christ gives us that. But in addition to that, he gives us this community. Christianity is not a faith where we're just supposed to walk it alone and hope it works out. Um, that's, you know, the first thing people did once Christ came back and visited them was they came together. Um, and it's the we approach moves to that as well. It's not just, oh, I've got this mental illness. Let me handle it. You know, you, me and Jesus. And it's like, that's great. You got you and Jesus. But um, there's more to it. You're supposed to. I mean, there's so many stories. I love it about the church coming together. And the first thing they did, right, they sold their houses. They made, made sure nobody had a need. Um, and the sad part is that while the church makes a big deal out of meeting a lot of different needs that are very physical and evident, Mental illness is one of those things that we're scared to talk about, you know, for the reasons that we're talking about now, <laughs> that, uh, that needs to be met as well. And ironically, can be more easily met through the community. Um, we thought what might be helpful is to maybe go over some verses with you guys um, and kind of talk about, there's this idea that scripture can either be like used for good or can be kind of weaponized. And so we want to be able to talk about how to see it more as like a positive, helpful thing um, versus something that is condemning. Um, and so we want to explore some of the, some different scriptures that we've pulled um, and kind of get y'all's interpretation of it kind of right off the bat. And then also maybe be able to challenge it a little bit and shift it if it doesn't feel the most helpful all the time. Not that we're, just to be clear, we're not twisting scripture. I'm not trying to give you bad theology, right? But instead of reading a verse and thinking, wow, this is really hard. This doesn't help me see my mental health um, as something that can be overcome, right? We want to be able to give you guys that ability to find hope in it um, because we hang out with you for an hour a week. Anxiety usually uh, shows up a little bit more often than that. Um, so do you guys have your Bibles with you? Okay, so can we call on some of you guys to read some scripture out loud? Okay, do that thing that students do where if you don't want to do it, you don't make direct eye contact with me, um, and then I won't call on you. Okay. Um, all right, so the first one, well, maybe let's shout out a couple of them, and then we'll get some volunteers so you guys can be ready and do that thing where you read it in your head like seven times to make sure you know how to pronounce all the words first. Um, okay, so the first one's Isaiah 43.2. Who wants it? Yeah. What's your name? Michael. Okay. My God. Oh, dang it. My God. Okay. Um, let's see. We pulled a bunch. Do you want to? That we pulled out of here? Wow. 
All right, what about uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7? Any takers? Who, who said do it? All right, what's your name? Seth. Seth. Got that one right first try. Seth. Didn't even need to ask. Okay. Um, what about 1 Peter 5, 7? Yeah. yeah. Lauren. <laughs> yeah. First time. <laughs> um feeling kind of crazy. I don't know. Psalm 4610? Yeah, Brian. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's get started on these and then we'll do a time check and kind of play it by ear. Is that cool with you guys? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Even if it's not, you're stuck with us. So. Um, okay. Isaiah 43.2 was Micah. <laughs> okay. Perfect reading. Okay, so kind of first interpretation, what are we thinking? Remember, our context is mental health, right? So when you, when you hear this, what's kind of first thoughts? Helpful or hurtful and interpretation? There's literally not a wrong answer, so. Welcome to therapy, no wrong answers. <laughs> That's only in Josh's office. Totally kidding. You can just take a stab at it. Literally anything. Helpful or hurtful in terms of mental health? Okay. Tell me your name. Julie, right? Okay. Um, okay, so in that context, helpful or hurtful? Hurtful, okay. What's the other side of it? Because I think that Julie, right, um, is correct. Like kind of first, kind of first bat, right? Like first reading of that doesn't necessarily seem super helpful. It doesn't really seem we focused, right? Um, but what's the helpful side of it? What's the interpretation that is hopeful? You're not alone. Because who's with you? Oh, great, <laughs> right? And so there's this idea of like even even through this, right? Like even through this storm, even through these fires, literal and figurative in this sense, um, but even through these different trials, right? Like God's gonna be with you. That doesn't mean you can't still invite community in, right? But there's this hope. It's gonna get really hard. That's a guarantee you're a human. <laughs> if it hasn't been, I'd love to talk to you afterwards and maybe get you scheduled soon. But. <laughs> Life is supposed to be, like, life is going to be hard, right? And so instead of reading that as, oh my gosh, it's just me and God, and if I'm not praying right, then is he not gonna be cool with me, then what, right? Instead, it's life is going to be hard, but there's going to be hope in that because I'm not walking alone in it. Yeah? Okay. Other thoughts on this verse? Other interpretations that we missed? Great. Okay. Got my man Seth over there? <laughs> I like saying my man. I mean, I don't know if we have that relationship yet, but hopefully we're getting there, right? Good deal. Wow. Yes. Impeccable. Thank you. All right. Any vibes we're getting from that? That's right. I said vibes. Who said that? Tell me your name again. Lance. Oh, I didn't ask that already. <laughs> so I didn't forget. 
Okay. Why is it helpful? Also experience it, right? Yeah. If I share it, then I can experience it. Okay. Okay. What else? So going off of that, like this idea that you can surrender it and that there's someone who's catching it in terms of mental health. Yeah, for sure. Like, Seth, do you want... Do you want to join me with this <laughs> microphone? Because that was a great little speech. What else? Other interpretations of 2 Timothy 1.7? Say that one more time. Right mm. row. True or false? <laughs> a little bit of a delayed reaction, but we'll take it. Why is it false? again, Julie, right? Dang it. It's the mask. If you guys hadn't had your masks on, I would have been able to see it. Okay. So I got half credit basically. Okay. Say it again. I love it. So then what does that mean in terms of mental health? If fear is not something God given, then what? What do we do with it? Back to. Yeah, if he didn't give it to us, he's willing to take it from us though, right? (laughs) And so whether that means doing it, we just, I mean, really pieced it together there, but I appreciate it. Um, But I think that there's this idea, right, of like he didn't give it to us, but he's willing to take it from us. And whether that means we have to give it to a friend first, or we have to give it to Kyle first, or to one of us, or you can give it straight to God. You know, like there's all these different avenues, but he's, he's not saying you're stuck in it. I didn't give it to you. I don't want you to have it. So let's get rid of it. Right? Come. I think that's also important because one common thing I hear a good bit is about when it comes to anxiety or fear, you can kind of use those uh, in the same context, is that like this is sent from the devil or it's a demon or something like that. And I don't know this church's perspective on spiritual warfare and things on that. So, um, 
An important thing to know, though, is that fear, regardless of what's going on, is a, an emotion. And an emotion is not something we make up. It's not like make-believe. It's, I like to call them social navigation tools, right? It's our body's way of communicating to us that something's going on, right? The only sad part is, like, the navigation tools we have can't tell the difference between the teacher calling us in class and a tiger right in front of us. And so we often feel that kind of buildup that gets really scary, and we're not sure what to do with that. And so, just like I said, you can redirect and give it to God. That's important. It's also important to know that's not separating you from God. Um, you know, the Bible says that we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think it's important that there's a, distinguish, a distinguishing level, excuse me, words, um, between all those things, that our emotions are something we can love God with, too. Um, some of the biggest characters in the Bible, like David, for example, man after God's own heart is always the, uh, the like, subtitle you hear after David. And he, like, you look in Psalms, it's like half of it is him whining, I want to say that, but like really just mourning and being sad and having a hard time. But he was after God's own heart, right? Like, it's okay for us to be like, God, this sucks. Like, why? I don't, I don't like this. Um, you know, we're not supposed to, gee, Lord, thanks for the anxiety. I appreciate that today. Because again, he didn't give it to us, but it's still something we have. Um, I think that's, we talk about taboos. That's something like the church, and hopefully as everybody here moves up and ideally continues to build the church together, that's something we can do better is to realize that emotions do not separate us from God, that they're a gift, they're part of our bodies and our bodies are part of a gift from God um, and that we can move with those. Um, God wants that. You know, even Jesus in the garden cried out like, God, take this cup from me. Um, Jesus wept, you know, the the easy verse to memorize there. Like it happened. Jesus felt things because he was 100% human, 100% man. I'm pretty sure I don't need to be specific about church theology for that part, right? But um, so it's important that we don't just pretend like these emotions are something that are evil or that are corrupting us, but they are part of the experience that God's given us here. I like emotions. It's kind of why I went to the field. First Peter 5, 7 is Lauren. Helpful or hurtful? Okay, why? Okay. Okay, so an awareness from him. So he's saying, please give it to me. I want it. You don't have to have it. Okay, how could it be hurtful? Yeah, for sure. It can be really discouraging, right? And so there is this idea, right? Cast all of your anxieties, cast all of your fears onto him um, can look a little bit different than like anxiety as a mental illness, right? And so cast all of your anxieties onto him, cast your worries onto him. That can feel really different than for those of you who have experienced anxiety, whether it's long-term or short-term, casting your worries or fears that may be kind of like circumstantial is going to feel really different than casting my shortness of breath and my constant stomach ache and my constant worst case scenario all the time rolling through my head. Like that looks a little bit different than I'm worried about this big test. I want to hand this over. It's circumstantial and then it's done. Right. Or like I'm worried about 
for all of you that are seniors, we call it the senior special, of where you're gonna move and what job you're gonna have. And oh my gosh, it's February, Wah! Good news, your life will still go on after May, even without a job. <laughs> Ask me about it afterwards. Um, but like, there's a difference between, I have this thing that I know is gonna end, right? Like I have this problem that has kind of an expiration date on it versus I have this constant everyday anxiety that doesn't seem to go away or I don't know how to manage it. So something like cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, that's helpful. He does care for you, that part is accurate, but it can be discouraging um, if it's kind of like Lance was saying, like if I cast it on him and then it feels like, whoa, I woke up the next day and I'm still anxious, what happened? Do we see the difference there? Okay. Also, important to note with that another growth point for the church can be a better understanding of mental illness right that some people see it and it's it's got this stigma right because people when you think mental illness you're instantly i think probably most people's heads go to like movies especially stuff like split that came out relatively recently um like the first thing you think mental illness oh schizophrenia i got voices and it's like okay well that's kind of a jump there Um, most people don't fall on that line and when they do you know they definitely either have help or or need it very soon um, but for a lot of mental illness, anxiety, depression, it's not so much you're being given this diagnosis that's life-changing. Like if you go to a doctor and get like, like, oh, you have cancer now. It's more like a description of a collection of symptoms, right? So like, like Greer said, you've got, you know, your stomach aches. You know, maybe you have a hard time sleeping. Maybe when you wake up after sleeping, you're still tired. Um, of course, a lot of these are symptoms of being a college student. So take it with a grain of salt. But mental illness it's not like you go somewhere and you get this label and it changes your life it's a description of what's currently going on for you nothing about you changes it's just that now you understand it and you can better approach it and so that's part of the problem with the taboo in the church is we don't want to talk about it because it's like oh that's we don't want to say that our uh, i'm forgetting the word for churchgoers almost said followers i don't that works i guess people who go to church we don't want to say our church members are depressed because then that makes it look like we're making people depressed in church it's like no that's that's not the case. There's a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, there's a pandemic. Again, I hate that word, but we got to be real with it. Um, and it's important for us to know that so we can help people, so we can help each other. So if somebody says, I'm depressed, and you're not like, pray it away, please pray it away, please. <laughs> like, you know, we don't need to have that response. It can be chill, like, oh, okay, that sounds really tough. You know, I mean, that, even just saying that is so much better than what some people just instantly jump to try to fix it. Um, because, you know, just like I'm not a doctor, I'm not going to tell somebody, oh, your leg's broken, here's exactly what you're going to do there. Um, somebody comes to you with these problems, it's, it's not necessarily what they need to just jump on it and try to uh, slap a brace on it like we're in Lost or something. We're in Lost. <laughs> it's a lot of movie references. Josh yeah, is really sorry. into film I'm and TV, if you it. guys can't tell. I don't know how to speak in regular words, so I have to make references. <laughs> we had one more, right? Psalm 46.10. Did I make that up? I think We you. have one more, right? Yeah. Oh, Brian. Oh. Yeah, perfect. Helpful or hurtful? Can you say it a little bit louder, Brian? I'm assuming that other people can't hear. It's not because I can't. sure. <laughs> what about the, is the potential hurtful side? 
Just take that kind of first chunk, be still and know that I'm God. Is there a part that's hurtful in terms of mental illness? Yeah, so it's a little discouraging, right? Um, because, if you, again, if you guys have never experienced anxiety or don't, whether that's short-term, long-term, anxious tendencies, however you want to label it, um, it can feel like this, right? Kind of like all the time. Um, it feels like a pencil tapping or like when you're in class. I'm like, check out my balance. Uh, like when you're in class and you're doing this because it doesn't stop, right? Um, this because I gotta keep moving, right? And so this idea of be still and know that I'm God, well, what if I know that you're God and I just can't be still? Then what happens, right? And so this idea of kind of challenging that, like it can be, it can be kind of discouraging, but kind of like Brian was saying, it doesn't have to look like that all the time. It can be this really hopeful thing where even if it's not in that moment, that doesn't mean that there's hope. I mean, that there isn't hope that comes from. It means that there's no hope, so that's it. That's the end of it. Um, but it doesn't mean that it has to end there, right? Like, it can be this, it can be kind of this message of even if you can't be still in this moment, that's okay, he's still gonna be God, even if you can't slow down, right? I know, where's, where did Kyle go? Just to add on that before, while we're looking for Kyle. Kyle's okay. Right um, and now I'm forgetting because I was looking for Kyle. Mm. I don't want to, we don't want to go over and miss the, oh, sorry, right. that was super loud. We don't want to miss the question time. Ooh, okay, yeah. So maybe the last five minutes we'll talk about like how to be healthy. Yeah. Okay. So what do you guys think in terms of being healthy, mental health wise, being mentally healthy as a Christian, what does that look like? What can that look like? Beth. Not well. I'm just kidding. So Seth's question was, um, how does schizophrenia work out for Christians? Um, and the answer, um, per usual for us, is it depends. Um, and so just from like with my, with, I'll speak to kind of like my personal cases. I don't want to speak for other therapists. Um, I've had clients who have been really receptive to therapy and to medication, and that has been really, really great for them, um, where they have been able to almost kind of separate. Like um, I had a girl who was younger, she was like 17, 18, and she could kind of distinguish things. She could, she could distinguish between the voices are telling me to do this and I don't want to do this versus what my own desires are um, versus working with somebody who's had, there's a woman that's had, or is experiencing schizophrenia for probably like 30 years now and hers shows up specifically with her faith and her religion um, and hers comes across as false theology. Um, her voices are demons, <laughs> not to scare the rest of you, we're gonna be mentally healthy Christians. Um, but for her, that's what it looks like. And so she can't, like for her, organized religion is not an option anymore. Going to church is way too overwhelming. It challenges everything that the voices are telling her. It's too much for the family to have to constantly combat what the church is saying and what they believe versus what 
her voices or her demons are saying. And so, I mean, kind of broad, it depends. Like mental health treatment, whether that's medication therapy, both, whether that's something like an outpatient or inpatient situation, um, people just respond really differently to treatment. And so it can look really positive and encouraging and hopeful, and it can look really dire. And that will even depend on if you're talking to the person experiencing it versus their family members. Does that answer your question? Okay. I know who you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> so, I, I, I've heard of it. I don't haven't looked exactly into the case. Um, was, I, I think I, I did my research into that before before I even went into ther uh, therapy or school for that. But yeah, it really does. It's the annoying therapy answer that you're going to get. You know, probably six times out of ten. So I'll simplify that fraction for y'all math people. Three out of five <laughs> times. Um, is that it really does depend. Um, <clears throat> you can have situations where somebody makes a lot of progress and they're exposed to um, exposed to something that makes it worse and there's kind of backsliding. It's, um, it's, it's a difficult journey for sure. Um. What kind of, I'm gonna shift a little bit. So mentally healthy Christians, what can it look like? What does it look like? Even if you're able to say like, ah, I may not do these things, but I can at least pinpoint what I want it to look like. What are some of those characteristics? The answer for any therapist is always self-care, always. So yes, tell me your name. Veronica, right? Yes. Okay. So yeah, so taking time, if you guys couldn't hear, taking time to rest, taking time to have quiet time with God, taking time, whether that looks like prayer, whether that looks like self-care in terms of like, I like to do face masks. I like to hang out at my house without any television on or doing homework. I like music, right? So these things that are going to kind of like fill you back up and not drain you. Um, if you're not an extrovert, don't hang out with people and then call it self-care. That's the opposite, right? Um, so doing things to take care of yourself. And part of that can involve, you know, God loves you. And so receiving that and to tie it into faith is self-care can be receiving God's love. I mean, he didn't just put us on, you know, it's not like on a world where we're just like robots walking around and we, you know, open up our mouths, out comes the gospel, and then we close it and move to the next address, you know. He, he gave us a lot to experience and there's a lot to enjoy in this world, um, and so receiving God's love is just as important as showing it to other people. And part of that involves self-care and recognizing how we can practice that. What else? What are more characteristics? Mm, being open and honest in community. Why is that so important? <laughs> we get it, Brian, it's biblical. We get it. You know the Bible. Okay. We get it. Yeah. So yeah, not only is it biblical. What was the first thing you said? Dang it. I was too busy giving you a hard time. You said something and it's biblical. Yes. 
Yes, if you if you can't have that open and honesty, especially kind of with your community, even if that's a small group of community, kind of who are you being honest with, right? And like, again, they may not have the answers. <laughs> they may just have Josh and I's phone number on speed dial. That's Kyle, right? But they may be able to say, hey, that's really hard or that sounds really hard. If I can't be the person to help you, I would love to find that person who can help you, right? Okay, what else? I used to teach, and so this like doesn't bother me at all. But I know it's eating some of you up alive right now. Recognizing that emotions are real. So your team, Josh, it's fine. Amen. It's really apparent. Okay, why is it so important, Micah? to jump back on the emotion bandwagon. Like, that's how God talks to us too, right? I mean, I don't know how any of you came to Christ, but I can say for myself that I felt like I, I had been exposed to the church for a while. I grew up in it, but it wasn't until I felt, feel is the word we use for emotions, uh, felt Christ calling me. Like, you, it's the, you know, you've got that Christ calling you through, or worship, you know, when we're worshiping, a lot of times you can feel that. That's God communicating. There's conviction that we feel when we know we're not doing something that we think lines up with our beliefs. Um, and there's even just like the peace that we talked about in all these Bible verses. That's emotions. It's God talking to us in different ways. And so if we shut that out, it's like, who are we shutting out with it, right? So back on that bandwagon. I would say that I'm going to be done, but probably not. So we'll, kinda, we'll probably kind of go ahead and wrap it up so we can do Q&A. Um, but I would say just to kind of, I mean, I'm going to piggyback off of Brian, but like asking for help, right? Whether that's from your community, from one of us, um, I promise it's not nearly as scary to ask somebody, to ask a professional as we may seem or people think it is. Um, it can be an email or a text message. Um, so you don't have to call somebody that you don't know and leave a really embarrassing voicemail where you're like stumbling. Um, we love text messages. It's easier on all of us. Um, but being able to do that, and again, even if you don't come see Josh or I, um, or even if you don't even want to do therapy, being able to ask Kyle for help or reaching out to Josh or I, and we will help connect you. You don't have to call us to use us. We can connect you to resources. We can connect you to people. We can find the right fit for you. We want to do it alongside of you. We don't want to just leave you out there and be like, not us, bye, next. Right? We're going to help you find that person.